It was a very cruel scene, executed in an unusual manner. Hey, cruel coven! Hi, tater tot. Tater tot, delicious casserole. My name is Tori. I'm Katie, and this is Cruel and Unusual, the Cult Cast. <laughs> the Cult Cast. <laughs> Today we're talking about cults. We're talking about cults. We're talking about all the culty cults that you could ever want to cult about, that you could ever cultivate with your little mind. Fuck. Can I tell you something that happened right before I came here? No. You'll enjoy it. Okay, fine. So I'm home alone. Ooh, the best time. I open my front door. Yes. I step outside. Yes. I'm on my way to Tori's house yes. to record Cruel and Unusual. You know what I do? No. I open up the passenger door to my car and just get it and sit. <laughs> in the passenger seat. As if I'm going to be driven <laughs> in my chariot. That is my favorite thing I've ever heard to today. To your house. I pulled out my phone. And just <laughs> I'm like waiting. <laughs> Is anyone coming to take so me? So if this gives you any clue as to how oh I'm doing, it's it's really good. Ooh. So like we said, we're talking about cults. And I know that a little lady named Crystal Abel had the question of the day. We've got a pin post in our group now where you can ask questions for us to answer right here, right now. And Crystal would like to know, which of these cults could you see yourself being a part of? Manson Family, Heaven's Gate, Jim Jones Cult, Children of God. Order of the Solar Temple, or the Branch Davidians. Honestly, I don't know much about the, those last two. Mm-hmm. The Solar Temple and the Branch Davidians. Mm-hmm. The only one I could ever see myself being part of is the the Jim Jones one because they drank Kool-Aid. <laughs> and I like Kool-Aid. It was Flavor-Aid. Like, I can't... Well, I know I would never abuse a child, so right. couldn't be in the family or the, or the, the, child, the children of yeah. God. I have a feeling like... When we were teenagers, we probably could have been influenced by Charles Manson. Yeah, that's honestly what I was just <laughs> going to say. I was going to say a few years ago, like not not a few, I guess, now that I'm 29, but uh, a decade and a half ago, people, that's what a cult fucking is. Like they search out people that are like minded and like, mm-hmm. and obviously the Manson family was a little fucked up. Right. And I feel like we <laughs> would have that would have resonated with us <laughs> yeah which is unfortunate oh, this guy's cool yeah this like, guy's so uh, cool he's gonna be my leader yeah um i'm gonna go ahead and just say heaven's gate i was thinking <laughs> about heaven's gate because like i want to believe i i want to believe well like i told you i find myself looking at their website yeah i don't know why from time to time i don't know why either i remember when it happened i I was like seven or eight it was on tv the the video of the whole inside of the house and their their shoes sticking out they were all dead Mm -hmm. i just i remember that and then of course i had free reign of the internet so i'm like "Mm, i'm gonna look up heaven's gate and i did it's still there I, yeah. just, I just look at it from time to time I just to see if it's there still. can't get behind the, like, whole UFO, like, ascend to be alive no. type of thing. Like, right now I am. Haley you know Bob. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, no. And Bo Peep and shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. what? They were no. Bo and Peep. What? I don't think I would, like, find myself in that. I just, it's fascinating, though. Yeah, a cult. I mean, and, and most cults are because it's like, how, how do you, like, if you're, lo- if you're on the outside looking at a cult, 
you're like, wow, that's so fucked up. How would mm-hmm. anyone be part of that? But the people inside the call are so motherfucking brainwashed mm-hmm. that they don't understand how anyone can not want to be in it. Right. So it's just, it's fucking, in, it, right. I can't. I know. The story that I'm doing today, I watched a show about it and the woman was like, yeah, there were rumors that, that we were a cult and like we knew that people were calling us a cult and we kind of just laughed at it because we're all happy and beautiful and joyful. And if this is a cult, then that's fine. We want to be in this cult. So yeah, it's just see, the, the mind is weird. When we first decided that we were going to do cults this week, I had no idea what to do mm-hmm. because cults are so hard yeah. to like nail down. And the, yeah. and with a lot of the cults, there's a lot of like missing pieces because we don't get to know everything. Right. We're outsiders. Mm-hmm. So there's pieces that are not there for us to research. Yep. I was thinking about doing Scientology. I would still love to do an episode on that one day. Yeah, we'll have to do that. It just, um, Scientology is a fucked up thing. That shit runs deep. It blows my mind. Mm-hmm. It and, runs And I deep. fucking hate science. And that's really what it was founded on. <laughs> yeah. It really was. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Science is fucking beautiful and wonderful and so fucking needed, but... I can't do it. No. I suck at it. I'll talk about Tom Cruise yeah, the whole time, and I then you do the rest. I hate him too. Ew. He's a bastard. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, we don't like you. Do better. Yeah, honestly. So I'm going to talk to you today about the cult Nexium. Dun, dun, dun. This is not your girl's heartburn medication in the little purple bottle. Is it the Nexium? formula this is nxivm i don't know where they got this name i don't care we deleted letters it's kind of (laughs) dumb but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna but it's real crazy nexium was still is i think Mm -hmm. unclear I'm sure a lot of these cults are yeah. still, but just they're trying to be better. Mm-hmm. The It was a private company founded in 1998 by Keith Rainier. I don't know if it's Rainier or Rainier. Don't give a shit. Okay. It was... <laughs> don't <laughs> at me because we don't Keith give a fuck. Gross. <laughs> this was based near Albany, New York, and it was basically fronted as a multi-level marketing company. Ooh, an MLM. The basis was a sort of educational system, quote-unquote self-help classes, called executive success programs in the form of seminars and workshops. So this MLM, they weren't peddling some weird shakes or sketchy vitamins. Their product was courses. These courses were meant to be used as tools to learn things that would help people like evolve, learn things about yourself mm-hmm. that would help you evolve, leave behind your limiting beliefs so you could really understand yourself better and take everything about your life to the next level. Their students' issues and patterns of thinking would be stripped away completely so they could truly be their optimal selves. But what these thousands of quote-unquote students who thought they were on track to being fucking golden gods didn't know is that they were being recruited into something much more sinister. Ooh, tell me more. Okay. So, if you wanted to go all in, the Nexium five-day course was what was recommended. The cost was $2,000. Shut up. The seminars and workshops ranged from $300 to $10,000 a piece, but this five-day workshop was two grand. If you guys hear a little stormy storm in the background, yeah, that's not static. Set. No, that no. isn't static, friends. Don't leave us a bad review. No. So during this five-day workshop, students were taught that if they did everything they were they were taught correctly, 
any issues or problems or things they just didn't like about themselves would be gone. So <laughs> if sign they me up. followed these steps, you would probably have fell for sign this Sign <laughs> me up and get rid of all my flaws. <laughs> You're going to want to take that back later. <laughs> On day one, they learned the rules and rituals of Nexium. Ooh, fun. So just a few of these rules were you always took off your shoes at the door, no matter where you went. That sounds polite. You had to call Keith Rainier Vanguard. Because vanguard means a leader of a philosophical movement. Okay, this so is that where just gives you a yeah, taste okay. of his ego here. Yeah. The students learned that the organization had a ranking system, and your rank was shown by wearing different colored sashes, like in karate. Yeah. Now, I'm going to be talking a lot about an ex member named Sarah Edmondson. She was an actress, she was a Canadian actress, who got involved in Nexium, and when she finally got out, she exposed them. So a lot of this info comes from her because she was brave enough to talk about it and kind of say, yeah. you know, let everybody know how it worked. Oh, Sarah. She recalled being told at the beginning of her workshop, her first workshop the first day, that she was going to hear things that would make her want to run for the hills. And that feeling meant that she was doing it right. Ooh. So they like um, foreshadowed. They're fucking with your brain here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They say, yeah, you can have that feeling. That means you're doing great. Yeah, wow. And then when you do have that feeling, you're like, wow, I must this be doing This means I'm doing, doing great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So once the students ranked up high enough in the company, they had the opportunity and were encouraged to run their own training centers to recruit members. They were told to push recruitment as hard as they possibly could. Just recruit, recruit, recruit. Everywhere you go, build your network, promote as much as you can, flaunt your success to get people to join, and they did. Top recruiters brought in millions of dollars for the company. Does this sound familiar? Because with any MLM, the Mm. ones on the top are going to be the only ones ever making the big bucks, and Mm. that's why they are Mm. pyramid schemes. Mm. Except most MLMs get around being shut down for for being pyramid schemes because they actually have products, which are nothing but a facade, to hide behind. So that's the loophole why they don't get sued and shut down. Gotcha. I'm going to tell you a little bit about this Keith Rainier guy and his beginnings as a fuckwad before I go on. Don't you mean Vanguard? (sighs) I refuse. (laughs) He would spit in my face. I'd be like, all right, Keith. He was born in New York in 1960 to an advertiser dad and a ballroom dancing instructor mom. When Keith was about 10 years old, a classmate accidentally let some, like, this juicy secret about her sister slip in front of him. Ooh. And according to this classmate, Keith said, quote, You know, it's like I have this little bottle of poison I can hold over your head. I just don't think your parents or your sister would be very happy if I told them. End quote. Wow, what a little shit. At 10. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, Keith. This classmate said that Keith would call her and say, quote, little bottles, little bottles, little bottles, end quote. Like, what the fuck? Throw the whole kid away. (laughs) The whole kid. (laughs) Yeah. He needs to get out. Yeah. He's a little demon, little Mm -hmm. demon, little demon. Yes. Keith claims he read the book on mind control, Second Foundation, by Isaac Asimov when he was 12, and that book inspired what he would later go on to do in inside of Nexium. Okay. An ex of Keith's is quoted as saying, quote, what we did is we told Keith about how gifted and intelligent he was. And he said it was almost like a switch went off. And suddenly, overnight, he turned into like Jesus Christ and that he was superior and better than everybody. Like he was a deity. He said it was that dramatic and that profound. He said it went right to his head, end quote. <laughs> 
This same ex said that she heard a story from when Keith was around 13. Dozens of girls would be calling him constantly, and reportedly he told every single one of them the same thing. You're the special one. I love you. You're important. You're the only one in my life. I love you. You're, yeah. Blah, okay, blah, Ted blah. Bundy. All these girls. Also, was he an attractive man? No. No, not at no. all. No. Keith went on to graduate high school and then college with a 2.26 GPA. So keep that in mind, like average, right? Nothing spectacular. The Times Union reported that in 1984, when Keith was 24, he met a 15-year-old child in a theater group named Gina Melita. Okay, Gina Melita, run for the hills. Mm -hmm. And Keith, leave little girls the fuck alone. Yeah, I'm sorry, you're 24. God. They began having sex. No. Well, no, he began raping her, would be more accurate. But then they broke up, and Gina introduced him to a friend of hers named Gina Hutchinson. So there's two Ginas. two Ginas. Gina Hutchinson was 15, too. She dropped out of school to be with Keith. And even, yeah. She even worked at his first company, Consumers Byline, which is like this like grocery MLM, which is also, it was a scam. And then she later died by suicide. And I will talk more about that. Throughout the rest of the 80s, Keith became involved with Amway, which is one of the absolute fucking weirdest, scummiest MLMs. Like, look into that one. It's fucked. And he became fascinated with neuro-linguistic programming and Scientology. He founded that MLM, Consumers Byline, in 1990, and in 93, it was shut down when it was investigated. The state of New York filed a lawsuit naming the company as a pyramid scheme. And in 1996, Keith signed a consent order that permanently barred him from, quote, promoting, offering, or granting participation in a chain distribution scheme, end quote. He was also slapped with a $40,000 fine. Ooh, hefty. Yeah, he had a failed, like, vitamin MLM after this, but who cares? So we're back at 1998 when the devil infant <laughs> Nexium was being born. Little bottles. Keith met a woman named Nancy Salzman. Nancy was a nurse. She was a hypnotist. She knew all about neuro-linguistic programming. Around this time, he also met a woman named Christine Melanakos. Apparently, her and Keith fucked, and... She said that Keith told her that when he was intimate with a woman, she would experience this profound event so strong that she would see a blue light. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Your dick doesn't work magic, Uh Keith. Christine said, quote, ultimately, I agreed to be intimate with Keith, and it was just as he said. I even saw a blue light, but I don't think I told him so. I remember thinking, wow, my brain is really susceptible to the power of suggestion, end quote. Yeah. So she's saying, she, yeah, she saw that yeah. because he told her that she was yeah. going to. Either that or he literally shined a light. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> I wouldn't doubt can it. Can you imagine? Like, he just had it, like, sitting on the bed, you know? And then, like, towards the end, he's like, oh, fuck yeah. And he, like, shines <laughs> yeah. the light right in. You see that, babe? You see that blue light? I fucking told you. It's from my dick. I'm a golden god. Okay. <laughs> Not all men. All right. Yeah. Okay. So Keith and Nancy founded Nexium that year, and in 2002, they were able to recruit members of the Bronfin. Bron. <laughs> of the Bronf. Bronfimen. Bronfimen. That's very awkward on the tongue. <laughs> It's almost like a blue That's light. That's what Nancy said. Family. Okay. She got a blue light shining <laughs> in her eyes. Bronfman. Bronfman. Okay. Okay. They were heiresses to the billion-dollar Seagram's alcohol fortune, Sarah and Claire Bronfman. 
their dad even began taking classes. And oh, wow. when the company would get in trouble financially, they would bail them out. Mm-hmm. So remember how I said that Gina Hutchinson died of suicide? I do. Well, before she died in 2002, she had reconnected with Keith and started taking Nexium courses. She was found in October of that year with a gunshot wound to the head. Did she kill herself? It was ruled a suicide, but who knows? Another recruit, Kristen Snyder, began Nexium classes the same year, and on the 10th day of her course, she began saying that she was going to kill herself. Wow. Her and how, yeah. wait, how long are the, the, is the initial course? That one is like a five-day thing, five but days. there's all, there was all kinds. This was on the 10th day of her course, so obviously this was a longer one, sure. but... Her partner, Heidi, was told by a Nexium instructor not to take her to the hospital. Wow. Yeah. No. Kristen was last seen leaving the class. A few days later, cops found a note that read, quote, I attended a course called Executive Success Programs based out of Anchorage, Alaska in Albany, New York. I was brainwashed and my emotional center of the brain was killed slash turned off. I still have feeling in my external skin, but my internal organs are rotting. I am sorry, life. I didn't know I was already dead. May we persist into the future. No need to search for my body. End quote. That is so terrifying. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever been like 100% proven that it was from her, but... That's so yeah. scary. I know. That, like, I know. just to think that, let's say it was, right? That is so scary to think that this person took 10 days worth of courses and her intern, her, her central brain yeah. or whatever she said. Sarah Edmondson said, because she started with the five-day course, and the interviewer asked her, when did you start feeling like a shift in your brain? Like, when did you start kind of, like, believing it? And she's like, on the third day. Wow. So it's fucked. But with Kristen here... After she disappeared, Keith allegedly paid twenty-four grand to someone to get the password to her email account. Wow. So I don't know if there was like some... I mean, I'm sure there was incrimi- incriminating shit yeah. in there. I don't know if it was about her death or just the company or what. I think it almost scares me more. What if that... Like, them talking like that, you mm-hmm. know, for 10 days in a row, does it really fuck with your brain? Like, and like flip yeah. a switch in your brain? Like... Yeah. And you have no control. That's like that neuro-linguistic programming. A lot of the MLMs use this language and shit. I just can't, like, I just can't, like, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying. Yeah, like, not a, not to this scale, but they, they all yeah. do it. So, more about the recruiting process. New recruits were told that Keith was a bona fide genius. He had a 240 IQ. <laughs> that sounds like a crock of shit. Okay. He was a concert pianist. He could speak in full sentences at the age of one. Lie. Yeah, He excelled in, like, all this dumb shit, like martial (laughs) arts and stuff. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) He had degrees in mathematics, biology, and physics. Lies. He was described as this selfless humanitarian. Oh, that's a lie. Yeah. Everyone worshipped and praised him. His greeting, how he greeted everyone, was to kiss them on the lips. That's just like the worst to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I know don't you kiss fuck- my husband on the I lips. Know, I know you. <laughs> I just can't like selfless. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah Edmondson later said, quote, we were all pawns for him in his little chess game, especially women, end quote. I hate that. They were told that Nexium was endorsed by the fucking Dalai Lama. 
These beautiful actresses were members, including Smallville's Kristen Crook. Oh, I know her. Who, yeah. She recruited her co-star, Allison Mack. It was kind of like, like, look at all these beautiful, successful, happy people. Don't you want to join us and be like them? And that shit is a powerful recruitment tool. Like, look at the MLM boss babes and social media. You know the people. They're on there like, look what I have. Look what I've accomplished. You can have this too. Don't you want to be like me? Like, no. I yeah, don't. and it's always but very You know vague. what I mean. Yeah. I know that you and I know the exact same person on Facebook mm-hmm. who does stories. Yeah. Living somewhere else. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, this is gonna, this is a course and you should jump on. Mm-hmm. And here's this and here's that. They all fucking do Do you want to jump into this course? Yeah. I wonder mm-hmm. if she's one of these. What if I can hashtag change your life? Yeah. So some members that Keith was especially close with, like Allison Mack, began focusing their recruiting on young, pretty girls. Sometimes <laughs> we're out. <laughs> some, <laughs> we were out to begin with. Sometimes even teenagers. No. Dozens and dozens of girls. And this is where Jeunesse comes in. Jeunesse was an offshoot of Nexium, designed especially for young women. It was supposed to help them really figure out who they were as women. Jeunesse cost $15,000 for three eight-day training sessions. And who was the leader? Allison Mack. Wow. Yeah. She called it, quote, one of the most satisfying and purposeful things I've ever done, end quote. Keep that quote in mind. Okay. Mm -hmm. Keith was telling these young girls in Jeunesse that the way they were raised had disabled them as women. Oh. That because of this, men saw women as flaky, as weak. He said women were designed to be monogamous, loyal to their men, and subservient. Men, on the other hand, were designed to be polyamorous. (laughs) They were designed to spread their seed and populate the earth. Jeunesse was not only trying to help these girls understand this, but they were also slipping in a new indoctrination, and in order to do this, the girls had to be obedient. Can I tell you how much I fucking hate the term or phrase, spread my seed? Yeah, isn't it gross? I, I, here's what I think of. Like, just close your eyes, okay? Close them. Okay. Okay. Now picture a naked man. No. (laughs) Picture him? No. Picture him? All right. Okay. There's a naked man. He's got, like, brown hair. He's real skinny. Kind of like Oh, I was picturing, like, um, Gacy. For some reason. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he's attractive. (laughs) Now, listen up, everyone. All right. Picture a skinny, long, lean, tall, like gangly man okay. with brown hair, right? He's there. He's standing in a field, wide open <laughs> field. He's got his soft dick in his hands, <laughs> a little dick, and he's just. <laughs> he has it both. He's got a two hand grip and no. he's just swinging from side to side. Can you spreading stop? his seat. I'm going to throw okay, up. Okay, open your eyes. Isn't that terrible? Yes. That is what I think of. I know. When someone it's says, awful. oh, I need to spread my seed. You I think shut of, the fuck up. like, like semen coming out and it just blows away in the wind. <laughs> That's like, okay, so yes. we could combine ours. Yes. So when he, mm-hmm. it goes, yeah, and it populates the earth somehow. I, I, we it's don't like know how, but. It's like those little white things that you blow. I don't blow any little white things, so. <laughs> God. Every single cult at its core, it breaks down your self-identity and everything you know in order to rebuild you in its image. It's Mm -hmm. like the foundation of a cult and how they get power over people. That is exactly what Jeunesse was doing. And Jeunesse was also, unbeknownst to the students, preparing them for the worsty worst of the worst. Another offshoot called DOS. 
So DOS, D-O-S, stands for Dominus Obsequious Sororium, which roughly translates to a Harry Potter reference. Master over the slave women. Ooh, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. So just try to chew that up and digest it a little bit. This is the program that these girls were That were makes me uncomfortable. Did Master? they know that that's what it was? I don't know if they knew. I, I don't know. They didn't think, I mean, they knew they were going to be a slave, but they didn't know, like, what? to the, like, okay, I'll go on. Okay. So, according to Sarah Edmondson, DOS was pitched to her as a badass bitch boot camp. Those are the exact words. And it had an initiation process that included making a vow of obedience, a lifetime commitment to your master. Her master was Lauren Salzman, Nancy Salzman's daughter. Nancy was the co-founder. So the women had to make this obedience commitment to their master. They had to understand that it was going to be like a master and slave relationship. Okay. The slaves were to respond to their master's text messages within 60 seconds, day or night. If it's 3 a.m., same rules apply. And if they didn't, the master would get in trouble by their master, who was Keith. Oh, God. It was Keith Rainier. The master's punishment would be getting paddled while nude and videotaped or being put inside of a cage. The members were not allowed to masturbate. They were only allowed 1,500 calories per day. He would have cameras on the fridge to monitor their food intake. So were they all in one house? Um, there is like a sorority house. Okay. There's like a little corner of a subdivision from what it sounded like that they all kind of lived in. It's some, like a, kind of like some, a commune. Yeah, some lived alone, some okay. lived together. But yeah. close by. Mm -hmm. Keith even said after one member gained seven pounds that the weight gain, quote, hurts his heart physically when I am with you, end quote. Number one, yeah. fuck you. Number two, how the hell did she even gain seven pounds? I know. She wasn't getting to eat. I know. Some of them were married. Like, Sarah was married. Wow. Yeah. I think she had a kid, too. I wonder what her husband and child thought of well, this. Well, her husband was in it. That's, like, where they met. Oh. In the cult. Yeah. Sarah. Mm -hmm. Did she leave him? Or did they both get out? I think they both got out. Okay. I know she did. Okay. Yeah, Happily ever after. Out. Yeah. They were to seduce and only have sex with Keith. He would take close-up photos of their genitals. They had to ask his permission before cutting their hair or their pubic hair. Another part of being initiated into DOS was to be marked. Sarah said that Lauren told her it was just going to be like this tattoo, like this mark that they would all have. Lauren had hers already, but she couldn't show Sarah until she got hers on initiation night. So Sarah didn't know what she was going to get. None of them did. It was supposed to be this like physical mark of their commitment to their own personal growth. Not to a person. It was a reminder of their commitment to themselves. <laughs> Your face is so funny right now. Yeah, I just, just like, can't mm -hmm. like, I, told I don't, you this I can't was get behind it. Yeah. You're going to fucking hate this. The final step before initiation night was collateralizing your life. So to do this, the women basically had to provide their master with materials that could completely ruin their lives <gasps> if they failed their commitment, no. if they left, or if they told anyone secrets about DOS. Blackmail. Yeah, exactly. It was blackmail. Mm -hmm. <sighs> the idea of the like, collateral, quote-unquote collateral, was really big in Nexium. So, like, on a smaller scale, they would say, I'm going to give so-and-so this money if I fail to... Like, Sarah used the example of going to the gym. Like, mm -hmm. if I don't go to the gym, I'm going to give this friend $100. So it was meant to teach them, like, accountability to themselves. Yeah, right. 
they would constantly be like upping this collateral. Like if I don't do this, I'm going to hurt myself. Wow. So yeah. Mm-hmm. For DOS, oh. yeah. For DOS, they were forced to take and hand over nude photos of themselves. They wrote letters that would be turned over that admitted to things they hadn't even done. For example, a letter addressed to Child Protective Services <gasps> admitting to child abuse. No. Mm-hmm. For yep, yeah. and they oh. were they were even videotaped like trash talking their own families. And they did all Why this. Why would they want to do this? Because they thought they were going, they were brainwashed. <laughs> they thought they were doing like something good for themselves. And they thought that this would, this would keep them accountable to this. On initiation night, which would take place at Allison Mack's house. Of course. It was, this was the sorority house. The new members were told to strip nude and they were taken into this little bedroom that had like a massage table in it. They were going to be getting their tattoos. Only they quickly realized that these markings were not tattoos at all. They were about to be branded. Sarah recalled standing there watching this happen to like the other women in her group. They were screaming, writhing in pain because it wasn't like a quick stamp with a branding iron. They were having lines drawn into their pubic regions with a (gasps) cauterizing iron. No. This took about 45 minutes for each branding. No. Mm -hmm. They stood there and watched for 45 minutes. They laid and felt this horrific pain for 45 minutes because they had to. They were being blackmailed. They had to show their commitment to DOS. Sarah said that while watching this, she had this feeling like, fuck no, I don't want to do this. But then she realized that Keith's whole thing was overcoming these thoughts. To do things you didn't want to do because women were seen as flaky, remember? Dear Lord. Yep. They had to prove that they weren't these flaky women. These ideas were so deeply indoctrinated into them at this point that as much as they knew it was going to hurt, they didn't want to be seen like that, like a non-committal flaky woman. They wanted to feel proud. And when it was all over, they did feel proud that they'd done it. And this was smart on Keith's part, disgusting, but smart because by doing this, the women had all shared and gone through this like collective trauma and it deepened their bond. Yeah, right. <sighs> like a sisterhood. Yep. So... You might be wondering what the actual brand was. It was a K and an R. Oh, Keith's Jesus initials. Fucking Christ. And if you looked at it from a different angle, you could also see an A and an M for Allison Mack. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. The branding is only, I think that's one example of the abuse going on inside Nexium. Keith was using sex to control people, including underage girls. He was sleeping with dozens and dozens of them. He'd have women sign lifelong vows to him that they would only ever have sex with him forever, ever. Remember, like, the whole blue light, you'll be forever changed if you fuck me thing? How could we forget? He was still using that, saying that they had to have sex with him for their own personal growth. Like, he could transfer his godlike energy to them through sex. And no one talked about it. It was just what they did. On at least one occasion, Keith blindfolded a woman and led her to this like shack in the middle of the woods. He tied her to a table, and then he had another person perform oral sex on her while Keith walked around the table and made comments. She didn't even know she was blindfolded. She didn't even know who was doing that to her. They also did these quote-unquote studies on members called the Fright Experiment. Oh, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. No! So, Nexium had their own doctor, an insider. Of course he was a did. doctor. I mean, like, technically, he was a accredited, but he, he was one of them. So, the doctor would bring a member into a room one at a time. He would hook them up to a brainwave machine, and there was this big, like, TV in front of them, and they were told that they, they wanted to gauge their reactions after showing them some video clips. 
An ex-member said that the very first clip she was shown was a real video of these women being beheaded and chopped up by men with machetes. Like this funny. reminds me of a Scientology thing too, like how they hook them up and like read them. Yeah. It's nuts. Sarah Edmondson said that as soon as she realized what was branded into her body forever, she kind of woke up. Like when yeah. she realized so it was So she initials. had to go through with the branding. Yeah, she did. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, she did it. Yeah. And like after she was like happy that she did it until she really like looked and saw what it was. She was like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. I've got these fucking people's initials on me for the rest of my life. She called her husband and told him what was going on. And he was also like dumbfounded by this. They were still thinking like it was a good thing until this point. So I'd like to know, like, I don't know if it was just like realizing it was his his initials. Like what, what that, was like, it exactly? Yeah. Like he mm-hmm. physically hurt me now. Yeah. But like the paddle and like the, the yeah, being caged I don't up, think like, it was even was being hurt. I think it was just the fact like they were in the show I watched. They were really driving home the fact that it was his initials yeah, is I what wonder. what changed them. She really had to weigh her options, though, because they still had that collateral on her life right she was an actress like would she ever work again if they leaked her photos and the videos and all that shit but she did it and this is when she began working with the new york times on that expose she said she wanted to let the world know what was really going on inside nexium and she also wanted to help those who were still in like see what keith was really about he was a sex addict he was using what was becoming popular at that time among women like female empowerment feminism wellness fitness aesthetic instagram to lure them into his trap so he could control them and have sex with as many of them as he possibly could for his own pleasure what year was this again um she left in like 2017 god a couple years ago that's insane Mm -hmm. and what where is it but you know like 2010 and new york new york all over all over really california yeah They had things everywhere. Her expose with the New York Times prompted an FBI investigation into Nexium, and Keith was arrested in Mexico in March of 2018. He was found hiding in a villa surrounded by women, and he was extradited back to the U.S. He was arrested under the federal charges of sex trafficking, conspiracy, conspiracy to commit forced labor, racketeering with underlying acts of child exploitation, possession of child pornography, identity theft, obstruction of justice, wire and visa fraud, human trafficking, and money laundering. Good. A week after he was arrested, Allison Mack was also arrested. Good. She was charged with sex trafficking, forced labor, racketeering. On April 24, 2018, Allison was released on a $5 million bond. They both faced 15 years to life in prison at this point. At trial, Keith did not take the stand, and he kind of played like the I didn't do anything wrong game, you know. He did admit to the branding. He mentioned that he didn't think statutory rape was an offense. His attorney argued that these women were adults and they were making their own choices, and this was just Keith's lifestyle. And he pled not guilty. After a few hours of deliberation, the jury found him guilty on every single charge. Thank God. All of those charges. As for Allison Mack, she did a complete 180 and pled guilty. She admitted to luring the women into Keith's trap and took full responsibility, sobbing and crying and boo-hooing all over the place. I think she initially wanted to plead not guilty, but I think it was some sort of a deal. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So she's out on bond. Keith Rainier is still awaiting sentencing at the Metropolitan Detention Center in Brooklyn. Their sentencing was set for December of 2019. 
but it was pushed back for some reason. And then it was set for May of this year, but it was pushed back again, probably because of COVID stuff. And now it's set for tomorrow, June 23rd, 2020. 2020. 2020. From what it sounds like, it's going to happen for sure tomorrow. Thank mm-hmm. the Lord. Even, I can't I, wait. One thing said, even if they have to do it by video conference because and of COVID. And this is for both of them? Yes. Ooh. Um, Keith is it? facing, 15? he's facing like 15 years to life. But he, they found him guilty in like a few hours of yeah, everything. So yeah, I think he's yeah. going to be in there for a long time. Um, they're saying that Allison Mack will probably serve like a substantial amount of time. 25. Yeah. I think 40 max or something like that. So whatever. Also in January of this year, a federal lawsuit against Nexium as a company was filed and it accuses Keith and 14 of his associates of conducting those illegal psych experiments and abusing them physically, emotionally, and financially. So that's what I got on Nexium. It's a fucking lot, right? Yeah, that was a lot. That was a lot, a lot. Wow. Wow. Fuck Fucked that. up. So we're going to know, we should know tomorrow. We'll update, what obviously, before with, yeah. we even... It'll just be a little preview. Yeah, because today's Monday. This is going to come out on Thursday. So yeah. we should know. So families are nice to have and everything unless you are part of the family like the family family the family family the children of god family it's a cult spoiler alert i'm sorry but it is it was founded in 1968 out in california specifically huntington beach the 60s man they were fucking crazy also upstate new york and california i feel like it's prime cult land for sure yeah, for sure. And, well, Utah probably too. Okay, <laughs> keep going. Okay, so the founder of this cult was David Berg. And he had a wife and four kids, just seemed like a little family man, you know. His mother was some, like, big-time evangelical church type of lady leader. Mm-hmm. And he was at first as well, like, kind of following in his mother's footsteps. But then he ended up getting kicked out of the church for sexual misconduct, allegedly. So he ended up teaming up with a different evangelical leader to broadcast sermons to people in their homes. And this went on for like the better part of 15 years. He decided that anything done in the name of the Lord was justified. See, that's where you're wrong. Yeah. Okay. Anything. It doesn't work like that. This is something that he went on to teach in one of his like founding principles when he developed his cult. Religion, I'm sorry, religion can be so dangerous. It can be. It depends. It really does. It really depends. Um, David Berg and his family started ministering to the small group made up of teenagers at a local coffee house to them in California. It was called Teen Challenge at the Light Club. Eventually, David and his family were full on running this program, singing hymns and educating the group about the end times. Hmm. Mm -hmm. This is a direct quote. The word church was never mentioned. Father David detested the church. His group of followers began to grow, as did his prophecies and revelations, which included apocalyptic visions, claims against the established church, and a plethora of laws condoning sexual freedom, end quote. He wants to screw little kids and, and, Essentially, and he wants it to be okay with God. Yes, because so he's saying any, that it is okay. Because if he fucks a child in the name of Jesus Christ, it's fine. No. This cult was first known as Teens for Christ, 
Barf City. Because like, I don't care what you say about well-known religions, say what you want. But these people who are going to these churches and who are part of these faiths trust and believe in this God, right? Mm -hmm. This higher power. So I feel like to name this cult, which is what it was, Teens for Christ, Mm -hmm. kind of gives this like false sense of security right off the bat. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And they're fucking teens. It's something to hide behind. Yeah. Is what it is. The group slash cult went on to rebrand a bit. They called themselves the Children of God and then the Family of Love. And eventually down the line, they shortened the Family of Love to the Family and then the Family International. And we'll get there. They should have just named it, we're not doing anything wrong, we swear. Yeah, yeah. The initial message of the family, and I'm going to refer to them as the family because I'm not going to fucking change it along with their little timeline. It's fine. It doesn't matter. The very first message of the family, according to them anyway, was to spread the word about being saved, salvation, the impending apocalypse, and their general distrust of the world. People inside this cult called anyone who was not inside the cult with them the system. Mm -hmm. So like the outer world was called the system. Here's where shit gets real weird because I can handle you talking about salvation, impending fucking doom, but here's what I cannot handle. The use of sexual action to, quote unquote, show God's love and mercy. No. Can't handle it. You're showing that you're a perv. God, I didn't misspeak. Like, yes, this this is a fucking thing. Like, this is what Mm -hmm. happened. Okay, so they called this flirty fishing. What? Yeah. Flirty fishing? Flirty fishing. What the fuck? (laughs) Mm -hmm. This was developed in the year 1976 by David Berg, of course, the founder. Flirty fishing. And it was immediately in the middle of major controversy, rightfully so, when the media picked up on this bullshit. So the definition of flirty fishing is as follows. Quote, a form of evangelistic religious prostitution practiced by female members of the cult Children of God, currently known as Family International, from around 1974 to 1987. According to some sources, hundreds of thousands of men were, quote-unquote, fished before the practice was discontinued, end quote. <sighs> Can you say that simply? So, like, what is what was flirty fishing? So, they were sleeping, the, David women, Berg, the women were sleeping David, with everybody? So, David Berg was basically like, how can I get more people to join my cult? Oh, I know. I'm going to have women fuck men and lure them into the cult oh, with their vaginas. Okay. So it was like a recruitment. To put type it simply, thing. that's how they recruited men. Jesus. So he took this like Bible passage, and it's Matthew 4 19, right? I don't know what it is. I'm not looking it up. But he like basically fucked it all around. Mm hmm. And he said, he like morphed it into what he wanted it to be. Right. Like most cult leaders fucking do. Women were bait and the targets were their fish. Okay. So the fish would come and nibble on their vaginas and then get lured Mm -hmm. into the cult. God. Okay. So these women were quote unquote giving God's love to men. Mm -hmm. No. And when they got back to their people, like their people in the cult, they would be praised. 1974 to 1987, the people who were practicing flirty fishing ended up converting a total of 20,000 people into this church of theirs. And I shouldn't say church because he hated churches, but this churchy cult thing. And I got this stat from the 
so fucking so fucking so fucking podcast <laughs> you can just leave all that in there too because <laughs> okay. i couldn't fucking figure out how to say that um the flirt okay so the flirty fishers from this podcast this is how i got this info had sexual contact with around 223 almost 224,000 people God. They converted 20,000, so clearly they weren't that great at it. Wow. That's all I'm saying. But still. Now, okay, so flirty fishing involved either fucking, oral sex, or masturbation to lure people in. The further that you went, so like if you had full-blown fucking sex. <laughs> <laughs> so if you had full-blown sex with your target, your fish, <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. That's what it is. If you had full-blown sex... You were more highly praised when you got back to the cult. Yeah. If you, like, just gave head and it didn't work, it'd be like, oh, yeah. well, then you should have fucked him, you know? Then yeah. you could have got him. Oh, my God. Ooh, this is just so fucking weird to me. Like, I yeah. don't understand. You go out and you fuck people and they end up going to church because you give great head? Like, I'm sorry, but if I went out and I had sex with someone, my first thought wouldn't be, oh, I'm going to go hang out with them. Right. And go, like, to, like, listen to their leader talk. It's just real fucking dumb to me. Yeah. Like I they agree. want they do they want to seek out Jesus because they had great sex? No, I think they just want to keep having the great sex is what I, I just can't. is what I would assume. I can't. I so don't know. David Berg tried to then sexually abuse his daughter. Nah, allegedly. Oh, I have to put allegedly, although I'm fucking sure. Scumbag. Uh, I don't she, have to say you're allegedly a scumbag. I she, can just call you a scumbag. She got the fuck out of there, but another one of his daughters wasn't so lucky, and he, she was sexually abused for years. God. He said something along the lines of, like, women can start having kids around the age of 12, 11 or 12, so that means we should start penetrating them at that age. No. And they should be reproducing. No. Yeah, something like that. Okay, so now, as I was doing my research, I stumbled upon an article on Vice.com, and they... It was a very funny article. Mm -hmm. So they were like trying to like kind of put this shit loosely. And they found the family's like foundational ideas, like their commandments, basically. Okay. And they they were like, they basically took each of these foundational ideas and like put, like set it in looser terms. Okay. So all of these numbers that I'm going to rattle off are all quoted directly from vice.com. Okay. Number one, God loves sex. Because sex is love. Number two, Satan hates sex because sex is beautiful. Number three, incest is okay because there's no better place for a young man to learn about doing it than from his own mother. No. Number four, 11, this is disgusting. 11 year olds are capable of becoming pregnant. So why shouldn't they be having sex? Number five, fucking your grandpa is awesome. Oh my God. Number six, everybody is married to everybody else. Number seven. Children should have at least an eighth grade education provided by their parents. And if the kids want more education, it's up to the parents to see if they want to give a fuck and continue on. Well, okay. I have a lot of thoughts, but just it's okay. Number eight. <laughs> Pictures of naked congregation members referred to as nudie cuties make a good bookmark for the Bible. Do they really call them nudie cuties? Mm-hmm. Flirty fishing <laughs> nudie cuties. Yep. Fuck. Number nine, it is okay to lie to non-believers in order to protect God's work. Doesn't God say, like, not to do that? I think that's one of his commandments. (sighs) Number 10, men cannot be gay, but it's hot for women to be gay. Number 11, masturbation is having sex with Jesus. When a man (laughs) is having sex with Jesus, he is no longer a man, but Jesus' wife. 
So it is not actually male on male anymore. And therefore, it's okay because it's not gay. No. Yeah. Have you ever seen the guys get the Jesus tattoos on their arm Mm -hmm. where it looks like he's on the cross and one arm goes up yours and then your hand turns into Jesus's hand? Yes. So every time they jack themselves off, it's like Jesus is looking at them. I've seen... You're you're jacking off with Jesus's hand. Not the same thing, but something similar. But that's yeah. disgusting. I don't think that was. I don't think they were. They're thought through very well. No, I don't think so <laughs> at either. all. Number twelve. When you are having sex with Jesus, he likes you to talk dirty. Oh, what? Mm-hmm. Pam- <laughs> how do you know? I want to know how he knows. The pamphlets were created containing suggested love words to whisper to Jesus to get oh, him hot. In case you're not really sure what to say, and yeah, you're feeling kind of shy and, in front of Jesus. If you're being a little timid in, in uh. front of Jay, um, let me just give you. And these are from Vice. Still, here's a few examples. <laughs> Hold me. I love you. Come fill me. So dirty. mm -hmm. Okay. I want you inside of me. Give me your seed. (laughs) Just picture it. (laughs) Blow the dandelion. You excite me, Jesus, and I want to feel your love. This is, no. I want to excite you, too. (laughs) (laughs) No. Jesus, you're the lover of all lovers. I could have written these so much better for I his pamphlet. I would rather die than ever say any of that again. Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. Uh, a superstar. You know how every once in a while you get a knock on the door, right? At your house. Sure. And the person just keeps fucking knocking and knocking. And you finally answer it because they won't fucking go away. And the baby's sleeping. The dogs are fucking barking because they won't shut the fuck up. And you open the door and... And it's two guys wearing fucking white button-up dress shirts and pamphlets in their hands. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're, they're, for us, they're normally Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, but or that, we, we get a lot of um, missionaries more. from Utah, too. Yeah. See? I would cut oh. their hair. But this, at that time, was the fucking family mm-hmm. carrying around the little pamphlets that David Berg wrote. So wait, so they were handing out these like dirty talking Jesus fuck me pamphlets? Yeah, to just random they were handing people? out. There's like That's comics and everything. How like fucking embarrassing! Drawings, illustrations. <laughs> there's a bunch of shit. Um, God. So David Berg is the one who wrote and published these pamphlets and these letters to his followers. In these like marketing pamphlets and the and the letters that he wrote to his followers he would basically just tell them over and over again how he was a prophet um he would attempt to connect with people by writing down his own failures like getting down to their level <laughs> look i had look how i overcame this obstacle and in all he published somewhere around 3000 letters and pamphlets however these published pieces had designated audiences. You couldn't just get all of them. Mm. So there were DOs, which meant disciples only. So those were like the creme de la creme. DOs. Yeah. <laughs> Do's. <laughs> and then there were the DFOs, the disciples and friends only. I'm a DFO. Mm-hmm. And then there were the GP, which was the general public. Oh, God. Those peasants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and this is also from Vice.com. David had said that he wanted to protect his family, like the cult, Mm -hmm. from the torments and wrath of the non-believers. So that's why he had to set audiences, specific audiences for each of the different pamphlets. Okay, David. So you know how I mentioned like these comics and drawings? Well, they like this is like a real fucking thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, The family dispersed these. They're fucking wild and fucked, literally. Yeah. Like, just listen to this quote from Vice.com. Quote, 
The graphics ranged from political and religious propaganda aimed at the ignorant masses to prophecy of what the future must hold and more terrifyingly comic book-like visualizations of how a true believer must conduct himself, end quote. There's one called God's Love Slave, so like similar <laughs> oh, fucking as, no. as to what you were talking about. This is about a woman who was turned off by King David, and Jesus. so Jesus curses her and makes her infertile. And then she dies childless as an example as to why one should never hesitate to quote-unquote fuck the men of the Lord. How How is that appealing they, to like the general public? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Yeah. Get, getting this pamphlet and be like, oh, this sounds great. Yeah. Like, who? Don't. Who you should that? look up. I feel like if you type into Google, like, the family cult comic or something like I'm, that. Yeah, I'm sure you'll they're get a out bunch there. of them. Please don't do that at work because a lot of them are fucking bad. It's like yeah. mothers giving head to their sons. Oh, no. It's like terrible. It's disgusting shit. Yeah. So if you are like triggered, don't go look at it. If you're. And if yeah. you do want to see it, just like see how fucked up this shit is, don't do it like on a work computer or like on your grandpa's computer. Like <laughs> yeah, do it do like on your phone and delete your fucking I just want to read. Like I want to read. Yeah, like, they're the, terrible. They, they're awful. Written. God. Ugh, okay. So while the group was still called the Children of God back in 1978, it ended up being totally disbanded because of the abuse claims, financial issues, and misconduct claims. There were many reports of sexual abuse going on as well as the rape of minors who were inside the Children of God cult. Obviously, the leader was saying we need to be having sex with 11 and 12-year-olds. So mm-hmm. you only, I mean, obviously, that is clearly what was going on, which is fucking disgusting. And I highly, highly doubt everyone's like, oh, well, we have to wait until they're 11 and 12. Yeah, oh, I'm it, sure. Oh, I'm sure. When, when the cult got disbanded, one-eighth of them left the movement. Wow. One-eighth. Uh, the people who ended up staying in the cult decided to rebrand and call themselves the Family of Love, as I said earlier, and then the Family. And the great majority of the cult's belief systems were the exact fucking same as when they were the uh, Children of God. Yeah. So, real quick, we have the Children of God. That was 1968 to 1977. The Family of Love was 1978 to 1981. The family was 1982 to 1994, and now it's just called the Family International. And they have a website that I was perusing earlier. You, did you go on it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking about becoming a member just to see what they would do. I'm wondering if they have like a fucking click funnel and they just start sending a bunch of like rapid fire emails. <laughs> uh, but I would need to like make a fake email and then we should do that, do that. i would we'll, love to we're gonna see. investigate we'll let we're gonna you guys go know. down the rabbit hole for you guys yeah so this is directly from their website quote the family international is an online christian community of 1700 members committed to sharing the message of god's love with people around the globe Founded in California during the late 1960s, the Family International expanded into an international missionary network in nearly 80 countries until its reorganization in 2010 as an online community. TFI is a network of globally-minded, locally-focused individuals. We are committed to bettering our world through empowering people, developing a personal relationship with God, and people who can turn and affect change in their part of the world. Members of TFI have been active in mission and charitable work in 95 countries for over four decades. End quote. Yeah. Shut up. How um, are they all fucking each other? I don't know. I'm sure they're all still meeting up. 
This is directly from the website again. This is the mission. This is in the mission page. Okay. Making the world a better place. Sharing the message of God's love for humankind. Our passion is to change the world through empowering people to develop a personal relationship with God and in turn to change their part of the world. We seek to share the good news of God's love and salvation with people in all walks of life. Suck my nuts. God. I hate this. Okay. Another mission of theirs is... That's a lot of words without saying without anything. Without saying anything. Not a damn this thing. This is exactly how the fucking Scientology website is. Yeah, There's a lot of fancy words. Yeah. Nothing fucking That's what they do. There. Same with Nexium. Those fucking videos. Oh. He's like just talking and talking and talking. Yeah. And they're all like, yeah. yeah. Right. Now, their mission for spiritual development... Promoting personal spiritual growth. The Family International provides Christian-based resources that promote personal spiritual development and growth in the application of Christian values and ethics to everyday life. What <laughs> are you saying? <laughs> nothing. Absolutely and finally, nothing. their mission for humanitarian assistance. Enhancing the quality of life of the disadvantaged. Boo. <laughs> Members of the Family International engage in mission works representing a wide range of humanitarian efforts, seeking to meet the needs of the underprivileged, displaced, and those without hope. You don't do anything for those people. No. Nope. You fuck wits. I hate these people. <laughs> so, all in all, as you can see, in conclusion, they have a very different outlook on what they're doing. Oh, yeah. Than what they fucking are doing. Oh, yeah. I did really quickly just, I mean... I know I just gave my final paragraph, but there there's a really neat story that I actually heard about from that podcast that I mentioned that I can't fucking say the name of uh, that they had linked in their show notes. So I looked at it and it's actually very interesting. It kind of goes, it's, it's titled My Childhood in an Apocalyptic Cult. Mm. And she kind of, uh, she goes, the very beginning of it is she's talking about how she finally is in an actual, like a public school. Oh, okay. And her teacher's like, you better not come back to my class tomorrow if you don't have your boobs covered up type of thing. Oh, yeah. And she's like, she was really embarrassed because she didn't understand why that was wrong. Right. Because she spent a majority of her childhood naked with a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. um, she was like, I cried on the way home because I was ostracized for reasons I didn't understand. She went to the library and she did this often to like read magazines that she didn't that weren't allowed in her home. Mm. And she said she uh, read Seventeen magazine, which we know all too well. <laughs> and the back of it uh, had a a quiz. You know how those teen fucking magazines mm -hmm. had quizzes all the time. And it was entitled, "Quote: Did you grow up in a cult?" End oh quote. no! And this is how she found out that she was in a cult. And it had yeah. like the main questions were. And these are all quotes. Did you grow up in a secluded environment? Were you under the influence of a charismatic leader? Were you coerced to recruit members for your group? Were you taught that the outside world was a forbidden place? And did you feel guilty for wanting to leave? Like all of the makings of a goddamn cult. And she was like, yeah, like I grew up in a fucking cult. Now what? That's fucking crazy. Yeah. It's crazy that that quiz would even be in. Yeah, right. <laughs> like right? that's weird. And uh, clearly this was like. It's, yeah, I know. 10, 15, 20 years ago, but still. Yeah. And then, so the rest of the article just kind of goes on to give a little bit of a background like I talked about, and then more of her story and how this happened to her. Mm -hmm. um, how she completely missed all of the 80s. She had a very minimal education, and it was just a terrible time for her where she was like a child yeah. taking care of grown adults, taking care of men, taking yeah. care yeah. of men. 
and just and and not understanding what the fuck was going on so right. i will have that linked in the show notes too but it's just fucking d- yeah. disgusting maddening sad yeah. terrible awful ridiculous could you imagine trying to have like getting out of there being like born into that and getting out exactly. and trying to have a relationship something like exactly. trying to do fucking anything exactly and that's how a lot of these cults are even still going most of the people are not coming in from the outside world anymore a lot of them are just born into it yeah and either can't get out don't know any better yeah don't try to get out because they're afraid or don't want to because they're brainwashed because they just believe that that's how it is and the world is a system yeah that they don't want to be a part of because their leader tells them that it's like a dirty environment yeah you know sad sad and fucked real fucked so that is the children of god the family the family of fuckers the family of love the family international uh, terrible disgusting despicable human beings and when we put the fucking photos up and you see david berg you're gonna shit your pants like (laughs) you can just tell this man is just oh Mm -hmm. like one of those uh, like yeah yeah like you look at him and you get creepy crawlies at least i do I should also mention that there were famous people associated with this cult too, like uh, Joaquin Phoenix, oh, River yeah, Phoenix, Rose McGowan. Like there were quite a few yeah, famous yeah, people yeah. in this one too. I remember hearing something about that. I didn't know which cult exactly yeah. it was, but wow. And there were more than just those three. There were there were quite oh, a yeah. few. I'm sure. But Tori, Katie, are you reading, watching, listening to anything? I started reading the book. Well, I have an arc of Make Me Hate You from Candy Steiner that I need to read. And I think it's going to be really good. So I'm excited about that. And I'm I also, saw the cover for that one. It's pretty. It is pretty. It is pretty. They look really cute. Um, and I'm also reading, oh, what is it called? If I Only Knew. And that is by Corinne Michaels. But at the same time, now that arcs have gone out for Blurred Lines, I have that on my phone, like proofreading it myself, even though it's gone to the proofreader now. Mm -hmm. Listening, nothing. I'm not listening to anything. And I'm watching virtually nothing. Because I'm wor- I do my day job during the day. Yeah. I do podcast and author stuff at night. And I have the baby. Yeah. So I don't think I've even turned the TV on besides to watch Baby Bum. Yeah. <laughs> no. <sighs> Katie? I actually read a book last week called My Girl mm-hmm. by S. Yes. Cole. Really, really good. I remember you posting yeah. about that. It's a psychological thriller. It's ghosty. Yeah. Fucking flew through it so fast. What do you think I'm watching? Probably Criminal Minds. Yeah. yeah. We actually finished the whole entire thing. I bet you fucking did, <laughs> you weirdos. If anybody watches that, can you just tell me, I really wanted at least one kiss from Reed and JJ. So if any of you, I just want to know if you feel the same. Okay, just tell me. I know you don't know who I'm talking about. I have no fucking clue. But to my real friends, you. tell me if you feel the same way. I'm not listening to anything. I'm well. I on the way here. I started listening to um the Crime Junkie, the new the new episode from I think today maybe Tamla Horsford. She was the one who went to the sleepover, and there's been pictures of her, and she was found dead in the yard, like she had fallen off the balcony or something. But they don't know. It was a grown up sleepover. Yes. Yes. Okay. They're yes, all, they're, yes, you could yes, see the yes, pictures. Yes, they're yes. all on the couch wearing like their onesies. Yes. Also, you guys need to go check out Ariel Cooksey's podcast. She has Malice, obviously, which you guys probably all listen to. And if you don't, you should. And if you don't know, she also has one called Podcast 
the podcast (laughs) and it's where she has podcast hosts on that just kind of dives into who they are what makes them want to podcast what they podcast about shit like that and it's just brilliant and I was a guest on her episode that she just put up I think it was yesterday or the day before yeah so so. I will definitely have a link to that down below if you want to learn anything else about me you probably don't you probably know everything but you can learn a little bit about Ariel if you go over there and listen to that and then from there you can check out malice all right guys if you want to email us you can do that at cruel and unusual the pod at gmail.com come see our instagram at cruel and unusual the pod tori tweets i tweet except for this week yeah i wasn't very good <laughs> at tweeting this week but i will eventually do it again it'll be a a, a, a kind of like sometimes i do and sometimes i don't that is at Cruel Unusual Pod. You can see our source material in the show notes below or at cruelinkmedia.com. If you would like to join a cult, <laughs> you can do that on Facebook. It is Cruel and Unusual colon the group. And it's a safe cult. We're not going to ask you for money. Maybe. We're not going to ask you to fuck your neighbors Maybe. or your dogs or anything else. And we're not going to ask you to like spread your seed maybe that's for sure so come join us in (laughs) cruel and unusual colon the group on good old facebook hello all right guys we're both getting a little manic and a little stressy and a little (laughs) depressy so we love you love you bye bye